Thank you for listening to the sixth episode from Here First Productions. This month's release is Roxy Likes Cats, a story of love, nostalgia and regret. He had this laugh, this sort of infectious laugh, contagious. We'd be at home watching TV and he'd see something that tickled him. He'd make a joke and it would bomb, bomb, atomic fucking bomb. It wouldn't be funny, not in the slightest, but he'd still laugh at his own joke. Not a giggle, that would be okay. Not a snigger, again, forgivable. But a laugh, a big, full belly laugh. And then, because he laughs, you laugh and you fucking hate yourself for it. You think, why the fuck am I laughing? That was terrible. It was shit. Utter shit. But it goes round and round. I laugh, my mum laughs, my brother laughs, and and it doesn't stop until everyone's laughing and, and they've forgotten why they started in the first place. And he's just sat there, all smug, thinking he's the wittiest person since Oscar Wilde. Like I said, contagious. It's weird. You walk down the same street a million times, but you know it so well you stop seeing it. Like autopilot. You stop seeing what's really there. You press a button inside yourself that makes you just roll along. Left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot, left, right, left, just rolling. (sighs) Drifting floating through in your own little bubble world. Then, if, when, something happens, that changes. The bubble bursts. You see it all again, fresh, like it's the first time. The very first time you have ever seen this place. This exact point, on this exact planet, at this exact time. You see the houses, the trees. You notice the potholes, the telephone poles, the crumbling brick walls. All the infinite, tiny imperfections that make this place... This place. You see the memories. Your memories. You see your own childhood and and teenagehood and young adulthood splayed out like fading paint in front of you. You see your street. Not just any street, but this one. The little patch of grass just past the corner where you sat and smoked your first Pall Mall cigarette. The half-broken brick wall where you opened your first illicit bottle of Lambrini, wondering if all alcohol tasted so rank. (laughs) The alleyway you hid in, listening to Lincoln Park, sharing shots of Glenn's vodka and wishing you'd stuck to the Lambrini. It's the only place in the world that is this place. Your own little slice of the globe. A place that you have loved. Hated. Shared. Abandoned. And forgotten. 
And now, now you're back. And nothing is the same. Nothing's changed. But everything is somehow different. I haven't gone inside yet. I will. In a minute. But not just yet. So, there's this German guy, right? And he's got... Or was he Austrian? No, Viennese, that's it. Vienna. There's this Viennese guy, and he's... (laughs) Imagine being from Vienna and introducing yourself to people. Hello, I'm Viennese, like the world. (laughs) Anyway, uh, there's this guy from Vienna with a cat, and um, a cat he puts inside a box, or... He doesn't doesn't put it in, but he, he could put it in. And it's not a real cat, though. It's an experiment. Like, a thought experiment, not like a real experiment. He never actually had a cat, I hope. Anyway, the cat goes in a box. That's it. Uh, The cat goes in the box with a bomb and... No, sorry, it's uh, poison. Radioactive poison. And when the cat gets put in the box, the poison has a 50-50 chance of killing the cat within an hour. And... What was his name? The guy from Vienna, not the cat. Uh, Oh, well... Well, what he says is that when the cat's in the box with the poison and and before you open it up again to see whether the cat's dead or alive, in that moment, the cat is both dead and alive. Simultaneously. At once. At the same time. Mad, right? I mean, who does that to a cat? I guess what's-his-name does. Mr Vienna. What was his name? It'll come to me. Suburban utopia. Suburbia. A middle-class wet dream. On my way back from the station, I walked past my old secondary school and saw they've put up this big picture of me up on one of their advertising boards. I've not been at that school for years and they've decided that this is prime time to slap a ten-foot poster of my spotty face on the side of a wall. When I saw it, I froze. I was stood there staring at this strange teenage girl I could barely recognise with the words We are now officially a good school plastered underneath. When I was there it was definitely only adequate and that was bloody pushing it. I had a different name back then. Roxy. Not Roxanne. Roxy. Where did you go, Rox? Your terrible taste in music and... And your fuck-the-world attitude. Your box-dyed black hair. And your I-don't-give-a-fuck miniskirts. Where did that girl go? When you're a kid, it's like... They're indestructible. Your parents. A storm of bullets could rain down on them... And they'd still get up to protect you from whatever comes next. I remember years ago. It was my fifth birthday. And I was stood on the street, this street, holding my dad's hand and looking up at his smiling face. The face he had on when he was keeping his secret. Where he'd he'd push his lips together and round out his cheeks like a squirrel scoffing nuts. (laughs) I used to love seeing that face on him. He was wearing brown trousers and a blue shirt, tucked in. I think he was wearing sandals. 
and he walked me from the house through the front garden across the road to this brand new bike with a big pink ribbon on it and it had tassels on the handles and and little plastic things on the wheels that made noise as you moved remember those well we spent the whole day together rolling up and down with him holding me and pushing me and teaching me how not to fall off and picking me up whenever I did. And then there was this moment, this singular instant, where his hands that were so tightly fixed around my ribs, they loosened. And he let me go. And I was on my own. And I was okay. But he could be a twat. After my last A-level exam... My dad called to ask whether I was in town because he'd bought this chair in a charity shop. He knew I'd finished for the summer and he asked me to pick it up for him. Said I owed him. I didn't drive at the time. I hadn't passed my test yet. So I carried it. All the way home. I carried it. I must have looked ridiculous. A teenage girl hunched over carrying an antique fucking chair down the road on her back. It was this great big green leather thing with little brass buttons stamped on around the edges. And it reeked. Essence of charity shop blended with the hint of cigarettes and the musk of an old, presumably dead man. He said he was convinced it was a rare antique, something from France in early 19-whatever, and that paying £15 to Princess Anne's hospice was essentially cheating cancer patients out of what should have been thousands and thousands. Turns out, he was wrong. The wood, this this precious mahogany, was infested with termites or wood lice or whatever they're called. So I went out the back, in his shed, his man cave, tucked away at the back of the garden with all of his tools, his record player and his mighty collection of jazz LPs. You could see him sometimes from inside the house if you were upstairs looking down. He'd be there, come rain or shine, listening to Thelonious Monk and smoking. He'd pretend we didn't know. And and we'd pretend we didn't know. And he'd pretend he didn't know we knew. Ridiculous! We'd be sitting on the sofa watching Strictly and the cat flap would swing open. Our old cat, Tootie, would run in and jump onto my lap and she would stink of B&H gold. If it wasn't for my dad, I'd be convinced that she was a long-standing member of a Wednesday night poker club. I wonder if that's what killed her. Years of loyalty to an old man and his badly hidden vices. The family's best, worst-kept secret. He'd walk through the door, moments after her, complete with a light sprinkling of sawdust and cobwebs on his shoulders. He always had the same look. Lips together, rounded cheeks, like a squirrel. The look of a man hiding a secret. I haven't gone inside yet because... I don't want to see the look on her face. I can't bring myself to put the keys in the door, open it, and see her standing there, alone. I will, but not yet.
Once, when I was taking the piss out of my dad for not being able to tell the difference between an isosceles triangle and an equilateral triangle, he said, Listen, Missy, even a stopped clock is right twice a day. And think about it. That's true, isn't it? The clock doesn't try. The clock doesn't even move. The clock, though stopped, is just right. In that moment. Trapped in time. My watch stopped the other day. The day it happened. I was having a long day and I hadn't been able to check my phone. Seminar after seminar after seminar. The minute I got a break, I checked my messages. Mostly out of habit. Nine missed calls from mum, aunt, uncle, mum, 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 brother, aunt, mum. When I called her back, it rang for so long, I thought she wasn't going to pick up. My hand was trembling by the time she did. All I could hear at the other end was the same panicked breathing that was coming out of me. Then just two words. Two. Come home. He had come home from work around midday, made a cup of tea and gone into the garage. He collected a rope, a stepladder and a camping flask. He went back into the kitchen, made up the tea, and then he wrote some words on a post-it note. Stuck it to the fridge. Trouble at work. I'm sorry. I love you. Then he picked up all of his stuff, went to the door and left. The police got a call from him at around two. They found him exactly where he said they would. About two miles into the forest, off the dirt road, near the abandoned railway line. There was a half-empty flask of tea on the ground next to him. Still steaming. And he was hanging about four foot off the ground next to a fallen stepladder. If you go on my Facebook profile... The first thing you'll see, right at the top, is me holding a glass of champagne. Stood with all my family, immediate and distant. We're all dressed up to the nines. Dicky bows, pearl necklaces, big fat fake diamonds, gowns and suits and shiny shoes to match. On the surface, it's one big happy family. And me... Smack bang in the middle. My dad there beside me. His arm on my shoulder. That smile. I think about his page. And what it will become after time. Messages unopened. Notifications unchecked. The forever growing little red numbers. No friend requests though. Odd, when you think about it. You're gone. But now, in this age of pictures and voice notes and videos, you're on my phone. You're in my pocket. 
here in my eyes and ears. I can see you, hear you, whenever I want. You're gone, but you're still here. With me. Both dead and alive. Simultaneously. At once. At the same time. It's weird. When you talk to the same person a million times, you know them so well that you stop seeing them. You stop seeing who's really there. Who's right in front of you. Then... It changes. You see them fresh. The person you you loved, hated, shared, abandoned. I still can't remember the name of that Viennese guy. I'm sure it'll come to me. Well... He had this cat, and it died, apparently. That must have been sad. Anyway... You've been listening to Roxy Likes Cats. Developed by Jack Michael Stacy and Roisin Fahi. Written by Jack Michael Stacy. Roxy was played by Roisin Fahi. Edited and produced by Craig Busek and Gareth Wood. Sound designed by Gareth Wood. To hear more from the podcast, go to herefirstproductions.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter at herefirstprod. And be sure to look out for our follow-up series, Let's Chat, where we chat with the writers of each episode. Finally, be sure to hit subscribe on your preferred streaming app.